Well, it's good to see you here this morning. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're joining us online as well. I spent a fair amount of time online earlier this week paying attention to the story about the uh, Thailand boys soccer team, the team boys that were trapped in the cave. You've been following that story? That was, that was something else, wasn't it? Those boys were exploring the caves with their coach, and, and they went inside, and the rains started coming up and started flooding inside, and they couldn't get out, and, and they were lost for several days, and finally they were located, and they were so far into the cave, the authorities wondered, how in the world are we going to rescue these kids? And they were in from June 23rd until sometime this past week. A dozen boys and their coach. It was a, a wild ride, very emotional more than 90 workers from around the world gathered to, to help pull those boys from inside the dark, twisting caves. Uh, a, risking, a risky diving rescue was put together for Navy SEALs to come in, and, and one former Thai diver by the name of Saman Gunan lost his life on that mission. He was putting in uh, oxygen tanks, and he succumbed himself and lost consciousness, and, and he died in the efforts. One American was involved by the name of Charles Hodges, and he said near the end, the pumps that were pumping water out of the cave, they shut down, and the water continued to rise. The, the levels were getting to the point where they thought they might have to abort the mission. And right at that point, the last seal popped his head out of the cave, and everybody was able to get out. People risked their lives. One man lost his life so that others could live. And the people involved in, the, in that rescue effort are are superheroes to me. I mean, it was a remarkable rescue effort. I incredible, really. It was incredible. Uh, the Incredibles, that, that's the name of our new message series that we're starting today and going through the end of August with, and we're going to be looking at various superheroes from Scripture. They had some personal failings along the way, but I think this series might inspire you toward new levels of faith in your own life. Have you seen that movie by the same name, The, the Incredibles, the, the story about the superhero family trying to combat evil? The dad has superhuman strength. The, the mom can be stretched beyond comprehension. And if you're a mom, you're thinking, well, that's my life. I'm stretched beyond comprehension all the time. The, the, the daughter, she could be made invisible. And the little baby brother, he had all kinds of different abilities to combat evil. And the, the family takes on the infamous screen slaver, and they, they, they win in the end. Good conquers evil once again. I guess now you don't need to see the movie, right? I just gave it away. Sorry about that. But when we see Scripture, we, we see quite a few superheroes in there. We can compile quite, quite a listing of, of people who stepped up when, when God called and accomplished his plan. And often they were combating evil along the way in order for God's work to move forward. There's even a chapter in the Bible chronicling many of those superheroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Some are listed by name, others are not, but all of them sacrificed so that God's plan prevailed. Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at some of those incredible faith-filled heroes from Hebrews 11. Hopefully, you'll be encouraged to take some action in your own life and maybe even inspired to take significant steps on your own journey and I'm sure we'll all be challenged as, as we look more closely at some of those superheroes of the faith. And today, we want to kick off by looking at a man named Abraham. The writer of the book of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 6, that one way to please God is to live in a way that faith is blazing your trail. And the author of Hebrews then gives many different examples of those who lived that way. 
Their, their faith was pleasing to God. Hebrews 11.8 says that Abraham was called to go to a different place. He, he was called to, to leave, to go, not even knowing where he was going. And leaving the known for the unknown required a, a faith muscle that Abraham had probably never flexed before. So let's explore his challenge to leave. When we're first introduced to Abraham back in the Old Testament book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, he wasn't really looking to have a relationship with God. God approached Abraham, and, and it's doubtful at that point in time, he, he that even heard of the one true creator God. Abraham lived in about 2000 B.C. in a, an age called the Early Bronze Age. He was part of a thriving cultured city known as the Ur of Chaldeans. I guess that sounds kind of like a name of a town that a superhero could come from, right? Ur, that's kind of an unusual name. Abraham was living in the middle of what's present-day Iraq. And people in Abraham's time, they worshipped many different gods. His people were ruled by the moon god named Sin, whom they regarded as the Lord of the heaven and, and the divine creator. And at that time, Abraham was just like the rest of his culture. Nobody knows, heaven only knows, why God decided to pick him at that time. God spoke to Abraham, known as Abram at the time, and he gave him personalized instructions, a, a challenge to leave. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God cut right to the chase. He'd been silent for 400 years. This probably shocked Abraham. Where Abraham lived, nothing ever changed. There was no hope, or no expectation that tomorrow might offer more than today. Aspiring to learn more than your father learned or, or do things differently than your father was considered blasphemous. Just didn't happen. In Abraham's world, it meant taking your place in the parade of the generation, striving to nothing but repeating life as your father had known it. In Abraham's culture lived in a way with no inspiration, no sense of future, with nothing to dream about. <laughs> One scholar said Abraham's people saw all of reality like a wheel, slowly turning, always coming back to where it started. Optimism? Hope? In Abraham's world, there was none. In his day, they seemed to have a God for everything except hope. But in Genesis chapter 12, hope breaks through. It was the voice of God, and our God called out to Abraham, saying, Abraham, leave. Stay here no more. And the very first thing that God created, that com communicated to Abraham was to tell him to leave. Put your past behind you. And part of this challenge that God, God telling Abraham to leave his country for a land that he would show him was that he would show him the place, the specific place, later. <laughs> Abraham was about 75 years old at that time, not really an ideal age for one to become a superhero, you'd think, right? And his wife Sarah was in her mid-60s at that time. They had lived in one place their entire lives. I can almost imagine Abraham being shocked and saying back to God, leave. We don't say leave in her. God says leave anyway. Well, leave what? Your father, your family, your family your people, your country, everything that you're familiar with, I, I want you to leave it behind and, and follow after me. Well, Abraham was challenged to, to leave everything that's familiar and safe and meaningful, and he wasn't going to return. This was not a 10-day trip where, where he'd be returning with his wife with all of their pictures. They'd be gone forever. 
In Abraham's day, family did business together. They, they cared for one another in, in sickness and old age. They, they picked marriage partners. You leave and you miss out on a whole bunch of security. But friends, real life change happens when you leave your old ways for the ways of God. Do you know where he'll lead you? No. Do you know what's ahead on your journey? No. But God says he wants us to leave our former ways and follow after his ways. As we look at Abraham's story of incredible faith today, we're going to pause a few times along the way and just ask some questions. So here's one for you today. How willing are you to give up the familiar for the unfamiliar? The familiar versus the unfamiliar, especially when it comes to God. God may not be calling you to to leave Milwaukee and move to to Seattle, but he may be trying to get your attention and challenging you to step up in a different area of your life. That's what Dre did. Michael Drahan, also known as Dre, you may know him and, and his wife Cheryl. They were members around here for a while. They served enthusiastically in various ministries and A little over a year ago, Jared Walker, the lead pastor of our church plant in Menominee Falls Legacy Christian Church, Jared decided to take a sabbatical for about six weeks. And Ben Davis recommended Dre to fill in for Jared when he was on that sabbatical. Well, at that time, Dre was volunteering here at River Glen and also had a full-time job running a logistics business. He had a lot on his plate, but he accepted that role of helping out at, at Legacy and when, when Jared came back, he determined that he needed to, to step down from his role as lead pastor at Legacy. And then Dre was asked if he'd be interested in becoming the lead pastor at Legacy Christian Church. Well, it was a huge step of faith for, for Dre and Cheryl. They had good friends here at River Glen. They were in a small group here. Dre's business was growing, and he was given more opportunities and responsibilities all the time. The same could be said for Cheryl. And Legacy was at a critical juncture as a church. It was quite tenuous. And additionally, if they said yes to Legacy, Dre and Cheryl were going to take quite a reduction in salary too. And they they felt, though, that that God was calling them into ministry, and they said yes. Well, it's been a little more than a year later now, and Dre and Cheryl are both on staff at Legacy. The church is growing. Volunteers are stepping up. The church has some reserves in the bank. They've upgraded their facilities. People are being baptized. There's all kinds of enthusiasm in that ministry, and Dre and Cheryl have done an outstanding job. (laughs) Has it been easy? No. Demanding? Absolutely. But Dre and Cheryl would tell you that it's worth it. And that's the kind of thing that can happen when people give up the familiar for the unfamiliar. Has God been trying to get your attention lately? How open are you to moving forward in faith? For for most of us, God is not calling us to become the, the pastor of a local church. But he does provide various opportunities from time to time. I think that it's tremendous that over 300 people have gotten on board with our ministry location launching in Pewaukee this fall. That, I think that's incredible, don't you? And with more than 300 people committing to Pewaukee, I'm sure that there's going to be some challenges, some, some opportunities, some, some holes around here during that time. Holes that need to be filled back up. And, and one of those holes may have your name attached to it. Have you been a bit resistant Because in the past, you feel like you're not quite the superhero that you need to be for God. You ever wonder, well, how can God use someone like me? 
Well, let's look further into Abraham's story this morning, and you might find this next part of the story to be somewhat helpful. Abraham began this new journey. And on this journey, they went a couple of places, even built some altars toward God, indicating to others that, that the God of creation, that the God who appeared to Abraham was now the one and true living God in his life. He was the one that Abraham was following. His life had changed. He was gaining some momentum regarding his faith, and it was at that point that he made another decision. Only this decision was one where he dared to deceive. He, he dared to deceive Arriving at a place that was suffering from a drought, Abraham realized that food was difficult to obtain. He and his crew encountered a famine. And in previous places, Abraham prayed and he constructed altars honoring God, but this time was different. This time, he took things into his own hands. And when this famine took place, rather than inquire of God, Abraham made a beeline for Egypt. That was a place that the merchants told him had all the food. And on one hand, I can applaud Abraham for, for being a leader type and, and recognizing a difficulty and, and doing something about it. But on the other hand, how much better would it have been for Abe to just kind of toss it back onto God and say, okay, you brought me here, and I'm just going to wait on you to tell me what you would like me to do next. Running for safety and the perceived security of Egypt was not a decision that was sinful. It was just one where Abraham didn't involve God. It was a decision that, that wasn't faith-filled and actually led to some trouble for Abraham and company. You remember that phrase, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive? Well, that phrase could have been invented as a result of this part of Abraham's life. <clears throat> Arriving in Egypt, Abraham told his wife Sarah to tell the people that she was his sister. And this way, Abraham thought he'd minimize any potential danger regarding his own life. Not a good idea. Technically, Abraham's lie contained the half-truth. Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. They were born of the same father but had different mothers. This was not uncommon in their culture as they came from a society where this was practiced. And Abraham hoped to take advantage of this situation. And as, as her husband, he thought, well, I, I might be killed by the locals. And if perceived as her brother, anyone interested in taking Sarah as her wife would have to make their arrangements and, and go through me instead. Well, what happened? Well, shortly after arriving in Egypt, some of the palace officials saw, saw Sarah, and they gave Pharaoh the thumbs up on her, and Sarah was taken into the palace, and, and Pharaoh gave Abraham all kinds of gifts because of her. I wonder what Abraham thought each time he'd receive a, another gift from the king. I mean, in their culture, in ancient marriage rituals included a, a waiting period long enough to ensure that a potential bride wasn't already pregnant. So according to scholars, she lived in the palace but was isolated from sexual contact. And while she didn't face immediate risk of being violated, what was she thinking about her husband? This is the guy that God chose to bless the entire world? You've got to be kidding. And while Abraham chose to deceive, his duplicity was demonstrated during this situation. But fortunately, God stepped in and redeemed it. Pharaoh and his household were struck with a disease. His harem became ill. His servants stopped working because they were, they were sick in bed. And Pharaoh feared Abraham's God and somehow learned that Sarah already had a husband. And when, when she didn't get sick, he knew that something was up. Genesis chapter 12, verse 18 says, So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? 
Why did you say she's my sister? So, so I took her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Abraham's decision to deceive, his, his lack of integrity, did nothing to, to create an interest on Pharaoh's part in following after God, did it? Obviously, Abraham blew it big time. He blew it with his wife. He, he blew it with God. Pharaoh was ticked off. And even though he left Egypt with, with a boatload of livestock, Abraham had faltered in his faith. He failed to honor God. And when that midterm test came, Abraham finished with an F. <laughs> but aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on people so easily, though? Fortunately, this wasn't the end of Abraham's story. God didn't say, I made a huge mistake in choosing him. This guy isn't ready for a relationship with me. I'm going to go look for somebody else who's better. I'd like to think that this failure in Abraham's life motivated him that much more to get on God's side and make some serious changes in his life. And rather than burying Abraham in condemnation and shame, instead, God used the situation for an opportunity to instruct him. And Abraham learn from this particular failure. He made the most of it. If, if you feel like you're certainly no incredible superhero when it comes to your faith, well, God can use you too. Case in point, Abraham, and he's listed in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith chapter. In, in reading through Genesis chapter 12, when that famine came, it appears as if the, the wheels fell off of Abraham's faith game. So let me ask you this question. What do you do when facing a famine? What do you do when facing a famine? A, a famine, in this case, can mean a, a significant hardship. How, how do you handle it when things get difficult? Some famines are, are quite severe, and they knock your feet right out from underneath you. They leave you lying flat on your back with no place to look but up. And maybe you received a doctor's report with some disappointing news, very discouraging. Harold is a a friend of mine, former neighbor of ours, and he, he's gone recently from planning for his retirement to planning his funeral. Cancer came in just a couple of months ago, and now he's in hospice. Maybe in your life, the, the death of a loved one has rocked your world, and, and you're in a famine, so to speak. Or maybe your physical health is fine, but your relational health is experiencing a famine this day, these days. It, it may be a distancing with a sibling or a parent, and you stop talking and someone needs to make a move, but pride continually prevails. Or maybe your marriage is on shaky ground, and it may be time to take it off of the back burner and, and focus on your marriage and focus on your family. Maybe you've experienced an economic hardship or, or the threat of unemployment, and now this economic famine is looming over you, creating significant difficulties. When the challenge hits, when the famine arrives, it can create a crisis in your faith in, in what do I trust really? And while they can be destructive and even fear-filled, famines can take your relationship with God to a deeper level too. And if, if you don't believe me, just locate a longtime follower of Jesus and talk to them about that. And their journey may encourage you. It may even inspire you. It, it's possible to discover that faith in God grows during severe circumstances. What do you do when facing a famine? Well, looking at Abraham's life, we've seen him take a, a, a challenge, take that challenge on to leave. We watched him, though, that dare to deceive. But Abraham turned it around, and, and with the rest of his life, he, he decided, he, he chose to believe. 
God called Abraham to leave when he was 75 years old. And he promised him that, that he and Sarah would have a child even though they were old. And, and that promise wasn't fulfilled overnight. In fact, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. You catch that? 25 years later, Isaac arrived. It wasn't 25 days or 25 months, but 25 years later. In spite of taking some significant time, God was still faithful in his promise. It turned into a season of remarkable joy and, and even laughter for Abraham and Sarah. Their faith had grown. God was faithful. It was an incredible experience in their lives. And Hebrews 11 talks about the faith of Sarah. She was past childbearing age, yet because of her faith, she, she was able to bear a child. She had great faith in God, the one who, who made the promise. It seems like that could be a, a great ending to their story right there, doesn't it? But there was more. When their son Isaac was 13 years old, God called out to Abraham once again, and God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love very much. And additionally, God talked to Abraham about sacrificing his son, and the Hebrews writer says that Abraham believed that God would bring him back to life again. And prior to going up on a mountain, Abraham said to his servants, we will worship and we will be right back. Well, Abraham believed that, that whatever happened on that hilltop, however difficult it might be, he'd somehow return with Isaac. Why is that? Because Abraham chose to believe. He chose to trust in God, even when he didn't understand. He had eyes filled with faith. And there are questions that arise from this particular episode in Scripture. But right here, I'd like us to, to see that Abraham's faith became incredible. 25 years earlier, Abe wasn't honest. And he looked for an easier way out by lying about his relationship with his wife. He had other experiences in life where he stumbled too. But his experiences in life and his experience with God helped to form his faith. No longer looking for an easy way out, when tested, he was willing to do whatever God asked of him. When tested, Abraham trusted. And God did provide a way out. And, and Abraham and Isaac walked down that mountain together. So let me ask you one more key question today. How are you currently living by faith? In other words, where are you trusting in the Lord these days? Has God been calling you, but you've been ignoring him? Has your schedule edged him out these days and the noise of your life keeps you from considering what he may want you to do? Or is there something that God is calling you toward, but fear keeps having its way? When people move forward in faith, it, it, it doesn't mean that they conquered all their fears. It simply means that they're moving forward. They're trusting in the Lord in spite of their fears. Maybe you've been exploring the things of God for a while, and it may be time for you to, to commit your life to Christ. And the reason that God called out to Abraham in the first place is that he was creating a, a pathway for all of us to connect with him once again. And at that point in time, humanity had gotten so messed up, and God created a, a way forward. He told Abraham that he would bless him. Abraham didn't know it at the time, but, but down through his family tree, Jesus Christ would be born. And God, through Abraham's family, brought Jesus here so that we could all, by expressing our faith in Christ, have our sins forgiven and have a hope for eternity. Is God calling you to trust in him? We're holding what we're calling a, a baptism bash around here the first Saturday of August, August 4th. 
Saturday evening, there's a little blue card in the back of the chair in front of you that gives more detail about that, but it may be time for you to commit your heart to Christ and choose to be baptized. Let him give you an entirely new beginning. I mean, that's what I love about Abraham's story. The God of the second chance allowed Abraham multiple chances, and then Jesus eventually comes to rescue us. That's a good news story. Abraham was called to leave his comfort zone. He dared to deceive, but then he chose to believe. His story is a lot like your story or or, or my story. God's called us. We've messed up. We still have another chance to follow him and, and believe in him. That's the beauty of the gospel. And it may be time for you to exercise your faith muscle, much like Abraham did centuries ago, following after God. It doesn't mean that all the famines in life stop coming. However, it does put those famines in life into an entirely different perspective. A little over a week ago, our nation celebrated its 242nd birthday. Many of those who signed the Declaration of Independence did so because they believed that God was calling them to do that. Like Abraham, they chose to believe. They moved forward in faith. And while we celebrate the freedoms we currently have, those early founders sacrificed significantly for their cause. And in my mind, I think of them as as superheroes. There were 56 men who who signed that Declaration of Independence. And five of them were captured by the British as traitors and, and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. Carter Braxton, a wealthy trader from Virginia, he signed the declaration. He saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy, and he eventually died in rags. Francis Lewis had his name, his home, and his properties destroyed. His, his, His enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. And all 56 of them that, that died, that signed the Declaration of Independence, they, they knew that the penalty would be death if they were captured. And they were men of means, men of education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. And unwavering, they pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They believed that that God was behind them, and they moved forward in faith. It it wasn't easy, but they did so without regret. God does not call us who who follow him into easy commitments. He calls his followers to make a, a difference with their lives. And that looks a little different for each one of us. Sometimes he calls us to leave. Sometimes he calls us to change Sometimes he calls us to lead. Sometimes he calls us to follow. Sometimes he calls us to wait. Sometimes he calls us to persevere. Sometimes he calls us to believe. Sometimes he calls us to trust. If Abraham were sitting on this stage today, he'd say it was worth it. If Sunan Gunan, the Navy SEAL who sacrificed his life for that boys' soccer team and their coach were sitting on this stage today, he'd say it was worth it. I signed up for this. If Dre and Cheryl Drahan were sitting on this stage today, they say, it's worth it. If the 56 men who signed that Declaration of Independence were on this stage today, sitting right here, they'd say, it was worth it. It's not always easy. It's often difficult. But making a difference for God with your one and only life, friends, it's worth it. 
And I pray that he gives you the wisdom to discern what he wants from you and the courage to move forward in faith. Friends, it could be incredible. 